Hello and welcome to Jaw Law. I'm your host, Joe McGregor, in Dallas, Texas. Today we're going to have a slight continuation of a conversation that we recently had in an episode where we talked about the right to purchase in. And today we're going to talk about that concept as it relates to real estate. What we're talking about today is the right of first refusal. That's that's how most people talk to us about this subject, or at least they talk to us in terms of something called a right of first refusal. The reason people ask us about a right of first refusal is because they're looking for a surety that at some point in the future, typically because they're in a lease space, that they can buy the real estate. And the main thing I want to convey today is just how potentially unhelpful that concept may be and talk a little bit about what are some better options and why it may be unhelpful. So before we go too far, let's talk a little bit about the context. Again, we're talking about somebody who is most likely in a lease space. They're leasing a space for term. Usually you get a five-year lease, a 10-year lease, and you're trying to say, hey, I want to buy the building at some point. A lot of times our clients are saying, I want to buy this building after year five. And they refer to that as a right of first refusal. Well, it is not usually a right of first refusal that gets you to that to that place. So let's catalog the various purchase rights that you could have in a lease. Now, bear in mind, there is something called an offer and even inside of an offer, something called a firm offer. We're not going to get too technical about the law here, but just because someone tells you that they will sell you the building does not necessarily obligate that person to sell you the building. This may even be the case when you have negotiated a lot of terms. It is not necessarily a promise to sell you something. It's just an offer that can be revoked. Furthermore, there are certain rules, and these vary a little bit by state, but there are certain rules that apply to how long an offer has to stay open. So just because someone tells you, hey, I want to sell you this building in year three, doesn't necessarily mean that that offer stays open for those three years. But that's level one. Level one is is sometimes even, even a written offer. I don't want to get that technical, but typically a verbal offer that you can purchase the building. That is the least enforceable, least useful way to acquire the property. The next level up is something called a right of first offer. Interestingly, this is actually what a lot of people describe when they're talking to us. What they tell us is, if my landlord wants to go sell the property, I want him to come to me first. Well, that is not a right of first refusal, and that is not a purchase option. That is a right of first offer, which just means the landlord needs to go to you before they take it to the open market. This is useful insofar as it does obligate the landlord to come talk to you before they shop it around to the community, but that's all it's really doing. As you could imagine, it doesn't even take a lot of creativity to imagine how easy this is to wiggle out of. It is not an obligation to sell, just an obligation to say, guess what, guys, I'm going to sell this, and if you want to buy it, go ahead and uh, make me an offer, but I may or may not accept your offer. They are nice to have, but again, they're not that useful. The next level up from that is the 
right of first refusal. A right of first refusal means that if somebody comes along, some third party comes along to the landlord and says, I want to buy your property, they have to take it to you first. They have to take that offer. And depending on the structure of your right of first refusal, they have to offer you the property at the same or similar terms. This is much more useful than the right of first offer. What people fail to understand, though, is that this is just in the case some random person comes along and makes an offer. Because, again, it does not obligate the landlord to sell to you. It gets you closer, but doesn't obligate. And it is the case that real estate developers do go to real estate owners and say, hey, I want to make an offer on your real estate. So we kind of make fun of it, but it does happen. So I think my main concern is that what a right of first refusal is, isn't usually what our clients think it is. And that's the main point of this podcast is the right of first refusal helps you when some third party walks along and makes an offer for the real estate. Landlord has to present that offer to you. This also, though, can easily be gotten out of. Not as easily as a right of first offer, but certainly can still be avoided. The final rung on our ladder is the purchase option. The purchase option is a fun animal where, just like we talked about that purchase option to buy in, there are several key ingredients that you have to have in order to make this effective. But when you go through this process, it is legally binding. It is effective. And the good news is that there is a, a pretty set set of standards that real estate people use for the construction of purchase options. Again, we need to know when we can exercise this option, how we're going to find price. Most of the times in purchase options, the price, if it's going to be a short-term option, the price is already set. If it is going to be an option that's exercised usually about two years or more into the future, then it is going to have a formula on how to arrive at the market value. And, and this is the case mainly because since the Dodd-Frank Act, the banks have to have an appraisal. So a lot of times appraisals are going to factor into the value anyway. So we're seeing more and more purchase options work off of a, a market model where you're going to find the price in the future based off an appraisal or a set of appraisals. And those are the ingredients you're, you're going to need, or basically the ingredients you're going to need in order to make this an enforceable purchase option. Obviously, the value to a purchase option is that this is the only one where you get to force this on the landlord. So if you think you want to have some instrument that gets you that property for sure that you get to decide, then you're thinking of a purchase option. And that needs to be a clear conversation between you and your attorney. Now, you may be thinking, well, why wouldn't the attorney always ask for a purchase option? Well, maybe they should. Most commercial real estate, they're not very interested in offering purchase options so much that it's actually rarely included in a lease. Part of that is because in many markets, a purchase option negatively impacts the value of the real estate. Typically, and this is going to vary from state to state, but typically, if you're going to sell your property, you have to disclose that there is a purchase option. This actually is included in the right of first refusal as well. So if there is something that's affecting the marketability of your real estate, whether it's a right of first refusal or a purchase option, it may impact the market value of your real estate. So the landlords aren't very interested 
in having anything that, that may potentially lower their purchase price. Along those same lines, a lot of buyers don't want to get involved in property that has one of these instruments attached to it. They don't want to get involved in a right of first refusal process if they think that their offer is just going to be used so that someone else can buy the property, which kind of is the idea. Finally, among most real estate attorneys, purchase options are highly discouraged. I know many real estate attorneys who consider it borderline malpractice to allow their clients to get into purchase options because they think that's basically buying a future lawsuit. Purchase options are heavily and frequently litigated. There are a variety of reasons that that's the case, but the point is, is that if someone doesn't want to participate, like if a seller doesn't want to sell you the property for whatever reason, that's just going to be a lawsuit. What most people do is in favor of that, they try to recognize a couple of realities. And the main reality is that in the event a landlord wants to sell his real estate, he actually has an economic incentive to go to you first. That's because if a landlord takes her real estate to the marketplace, she is most likely going to find a broker. If she finds a broker, that means she's going to have to give anywhere between two to 6% and sometimes even more to the broker so that broker can go out and market it. Well, if you have someone who is a tenant and is already interested in buying the real estate, then the easiest thing to do and the cheapest thing to do is just walk down the sidewalk and ask that person, that tenant, hey, do you want to buy this real estate? And if you're able to bring an offer that's going to be roughly the same thing that the seller would get in the marketplace, then you got a deal. And that's where the incentive is. The other reality is that taking real estate to the marketplace takes a long time. If they can sell to a tenant, somebody who already knows the real estate, then you're shaving at least weeks off of the process, maybe even months. And of course, in some cases, even years. So which of these is the best? Well, in a perfect world, you would have all three. If you're going to lease a piece of property and it is the type of property that you may purchase. So if it's a 80,000 square foot shopping center and you're probably not going to be in the financial position to buy it, then not a worthwhile question to engage. But what if it's a standalone building or what's really common? What if you have a small building that only has two tenants or four tenants? We see our clients get into those pretty often. It's a pretty bite-sized piece of real estate. It's doable. The economics work pretty often. And that's the type of landlord, too, that would be more agreeable to entering into one of these options. But our advice is that you want all of them. You want a right of first offer and a right of first refusal and a purchase option. Why all three? Think about it this way. If you have a purchase option, but your purchase option doesn't mature for the first five years. And by the way, this is really common because a lot of times, especially if you're going to buy a practice from some seller, their financial advisor may say, let's let's sell the practice, but let's hold on to the real estate so we can get five years of rent. So you say, well, okay, that's fair. I didn't want to buy right now. Anyway, I, uh, I'm happy with leasing, but just promise me that in five years, I can buy your real estate. And the landlord, especially at the time, says, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a great idea. 
But in year three, somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm interested in developing this real estate. I want to turn your building into a Sonic and I'm willing to pay good money to buy your building and knock it down. Now, there is a conversation, leases run with the land. Depending on how your lease is structured, it may be the case that that seller sells your real estate while basically while you're a tenant. It's not that realistic because most real estate purchasers are gonna are gonna know that. They're gonna know that that problem, that storm on the horizon, but it is possible. And guess what? I've seen it before. And that's the scenario that that it could happen in. And so if you had both the purchase option and a right of first refusal when that third party, when Sonic owner man comes along and says, I'll pay good money for it. And you're like, man, I really didn't want to buy it this early, but I will. I will match that offer. Then you have the right to do that. A right that the purchase option didn't give you. By that same token, what if it's not a third party who comes along? What if it is just the owner gets sick? He's going to die And he's like, hey, I thought I wanted to be a landlord for five years, but I'm not going to make it the other four. You want that owner to come to you and say, do you want to buy this now? I know you don't have to buy it until year five, but I want to offer it to you now before I take it to the marketplace. Now, in the real world, we'd hope that he would do that anyway. But if you have a right of first offer, then you're covered. You're covered if the landlord wants to take it to the market. You're covered if the market comes to the landlord. And you are covered if neither of those two things happen and time just happens to come up and you are ready to make the purchase. And even in that case, you're not obligated to actually buy because the purchase option obligates them to sell to you, but not for you to buy from them. So again, if you can get all three, you should be good to go. I do want to acknowledge before we wrap up that these concepts are actually very state specific. Basically, every state has a different set of rules that applies to these instruments. This is meant to just be a general conversation, and you should be talking to a competent attorney about these options. And then one other problem I want to cut off at the pass, like I said earlier, a lot of landlords just It's a non-starter for them to give one or more of these options to you. It doesn't mean that your broker is a failure or that your lawyer is a failure. If they were never going to give that to you, nothing is going to change their mind. So much so, just to be aware that I'd say half the times that a landlord has verbally or sometimes even in a letter of intent offered an option to one of our clients to buy the real estate, the lawyer has come along during the process and said, nope, I don't care how much goodwill is broken. I will not let my client get into a purchase option or a right of first refusal. If the landlord wants to sell to you, they have an incentive to go to you, but I am not going to put it in a legally binding contract. That is how unsavory most lawyers consider, at least some or on some level, these options. So I don't want a rush to your broker and say, hey, I heard on a podcast that I'm supposed to have a right of first offer, right of first refusal and a purchase option. And then your broker can't get any of those. And it's not something to lose faith in your broker. There may be other things to lose faith in your broker over, but these shouldn't be them. This is an idea that you should explore. I think every single time when you have a cooperative or at least an open-minded landlord, knowing that not all landlords are that open-minded. And that's all we have today. Hope everyone is staying healthy and safe. We'll see you next time. I want-